Shut your butts and sit your mouth down. Eat, pray, love style. More like drink, sleep, fuck. I've been right all along, you know. I really am exceptional. No, 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 no. It's Ted Lasso, season three. Welcome to the Center Cut. I'm Dave. And I am Coach Michael. Wanker, wanker, wanker. Michael, you're a wanker. Speaking of, I feel like there were more swears this season. Am I making that up? It feels like more people were just throwing F-bombs left and right. Yeah, I think you're making that up. Today we're talking about Ted Lasso Season 3. Fuck Rupert, right guys? Yeah. What a dick. We are indeed. We, as if you don't know, we watched only the first episode and the last episode of season three. We have many questions from Reddit to help us try to guess about the middle after we recap the ends that we did see. Yeah. Ted Lasso, season three, final season for now. Who knows? Spinoffs. This is a sports comedy drama from Apple TV. It stars Jason Sudeikis and Brendan Hunt as Ted Lasso and Coach Beard, amongst a number of other folks. This show's total Rotten Tomato score is 89%. Season three came in at a 79, though. It's the lowest of the three seasons, which is interesting. Uh, but we have, uh, as Michael said, many, many questions. So let's, uh, let's uh, knock out these recaps. Yes, sir. All right, episode one was titled Smells Like Mean Spirit. I'm telling you, all their jokes are based on 90s bands, David. Every single joke, yeah. 90s bands. I mean, that's Jason Sudeikis. That's his whole shtick. But we open to a bummed and bedraggled looking Ted who gets an I love you text from his wife, except, no, sorry, it's his son's phone. She's over you, bro. I was tricked there for a moment. Yep. I, th- I was too. I was kind of a little confused at first, but... yep. But uh, his son, Henry, is headed back to America, but not before some forced jokes about politics and Zelda and a thinly veiled Apple plug for iPads. I promise I won't be grumpy this whole time. Sounds like you're going to be. Ted talks to Doc Sharon on the phone while cleaning up his house and walking to the stadium. Not really a whole lot of note in their conversation, other than the fact that rugby gets mentioned for the first of a few times in our episodes, which I think is laying the groundwork for a spinoff slash new show where there's a coach who goes down and coaches rugby. That's what I'm thinking is going to happen. Really? Yeah, I do. That's what you think it, it is, is huh? Yep. I do, I do, I do. Interesting. And also Sharon is about to go get fucked by some dude who we don't know. Jealous. Of him, not her, to be clear. Okay. Time for our Mumford theme song. Uh, And then we cut to Rebecca and Higgins talking about how all of the pundits are projecting Richmond to finish last this season, while their rivals, led by Rupert and Nate, the gray douche, are projected near the top of the standings. Nate the gray douche. He's like the the white wicked witch or the white witch. What (laughs) the fuck? Wizard of Oz thing? Yes, he is the wicked bitch of the gray. The wicked gray bitch of the West. Mm -hmm. Something something, Mm -hmm. something like that. Something like that. But it is personal for Rebecca. Yeah, and not in a fun way. The players are feeling the heat as well as we pan around and get reunited with our crew, including but not limited to a smiling Danny Rojas, a realistic Jan Maas, and Jamie Tart with a cool as shit crossbody fanny pack. He rocks that fanny pack hard. I wish I could pull that off. That came back from season one, I think. I I wish I could pull it off, but 
fashion over function always. Also, I'm kind of a little concerned, though, because he has gone. There's been a series of time. There's been a lot of time now, and he rocked that in season one. It's like, if you're going to try and be a fashion boy, you can't wear the same thing for years. (laughs) That's true. Come on, Jamie. Good point. Good point. Ray and Beard talk about the movie Hoosiers, which we covered way back in season one with comedian Brad Howe. Shameless plug. Ted greets Roy as, what's the frequency Roy Kenteth, which is both hilarious and proof of my theory that 90% of these jokes would be better if the show was made in 1995. I appreciate riffs on 90s bands as much as the next guy, but I can just feel the 30 to 50 year old algorithm just tightening around my neck and I feel yoked. (laughs) I feel yoked. Okay. Do you even know what yoked means? Yeah, it's what you do with oxen. Oh, so you're using it like an old, like the old man version of yoked. Yeah, Y-O-K-E-D. Not, not, there's not, I'm not talking about egg yolks. No, not those either. Like a, a dude who hits the gym a lot and is really buff is yoked. No, no. I, I'm. <laughs> if you talk like a, like a non 50 year old man. <laughs> no, I'm using the 1700s vocab word. Yeah. You refer to, you know, you know how everyone knows how oxen are saddled and yoked for, you know, the farming. Yeah. Everyone knows yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Good reference. You're b- b- fucking busting Jason Sudeikis' <laughs> ass for referencing 90s. He's got 1990s. I'm in the 1790s. Yeah. You're fucking over here referencing back when before electricity was invented. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Roy is strategizing and he wants to use a simple formation in matches this year. And Ted's like, yeah, sure. He just, yeah. he trusts everybody. Ted just lets everybody do whatever they want. Ted surrounds himself with people who he knows can make the good decisions so he doesn't have to. I don't think he would trust anybody. It's not like someone would come off the street and say, this is what you should run. He'd say, okay, and he'd run that. You say that. He trusts Roy because he surrounded himself. Counterpoint. He trusted Nate, who then completely and fucked him in the bum hole and then went to a whole different place to coach Correct, enemies. but Nate... It, Nate is also the reason that they got back into the Premier League to begin with. So as much as, you know, fuck Nate, I mean, he knew his shit. Yeah, I guess. I suppose. But speaking of Nate, the little gray haired piece of shit, he heads to his new digs at West Ham in his old green shit box of a car. He is just he's a human toilet bowl, just ignoring staff, basking in his Internet points as the wonder kid and telling other staff to get out. I just have no patience for his douchebaggery. I don't like him at all. No. At all, at all, at all. The range that Nate's character went through in three seasons was out of control. No, thank you. Rebecca goes to see Keely at KJPR, which I imagine stands for Keely Jones Public Relations. Mm-hmm. The chat, Rebecca says crying is an orgasm for the soul. And I agree. Once you're done crying, you're like, what the fuck was I just doing? Ew. Which is exactly the same thing you do when you have an orgasm. I don't know that a lot of people have that reaction after crying. You need a therapist. <laughs> But yeah, it's just, it's your body's way of opening up to be vulnerable, both crying and orgasm. So it tracks. Mm-hmm. And some people in like the universe think that that is a good thing, not a thing that they say, ew, why did I do that? Oh no, I, I, I'm pro crying. But you also feel like, ew, why did I do that after? Or no, what was I doing? Like, why was, what was I even crying about? Oh, I understand. Okay. Just like after you jerk it, you're like, whoa, what the, what was I watching? Yeah. What just happened? Mm-hmm. What a fugue state. I don't even want to look at my own search history. At practice, though, the players are lollygagging because of the pundit projection. So Ted and Beard come up with a plan to take them somewhere. We don't know where yet. But I did get my first laugh out loud moment of the season when Ted shouted, last one in the parking lot has to eat a little bug. (laughs) 
at West Ham's practice, Nate does his best anti-Ted lasso impression and makes a player stand on the dum-dum line for being a dum-dum. Bro, <laughs> bro, if you're trying to channel your inner Roy Kent and trying to be a hard ass, maybe using different word than dum-dum, mm-hmm. even idiot would have been better. Mm-hmm. But dum dum, it's like you're over here trying to be a big tough guy, and then you're you're talking like Winnie the Pooh, calling him a lollipop. Like, come on, yeah, I agree. Come on, brah. But the wonder shit gets called to Rupert's office, where he continues to let his mean flag fly, joking that Richmond is only projected twentieth place because there's no twenty first. Much to Rupert's delight. But Rupert was also having his crappy old car towed away, further highlighting that unlike Richmond, these guys only care about image and not true quality. Ted and Beard have taken the guys to a random sewer in the city. Bad idea. Like, isn't this how the Ninja Turtles started? I don't think they they were just normal turtles that entered a sewer and were immediately I thought that's what it was. You thought it was like the sewage turned them into superheroes? I thought that's what it was. I thought they were in the sewer and they got like turtle googes stuff on them. Like acidy turtle power goo and and that's what turned them into ninjas story sees four baby turtles exposed to a canister of mysterious glowing green ooze from a nearby research laboratory that is dropped in the sewers did i say exactly that or did i say exactly that define trying to i guess then teenage mutant into turtle origin knowledge yeah okay fine but then also why is it a bad thing why is turning into a teenage mutant into turtle a bad thing that's a fair point i don't know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but this this does it is it's just a frustrating. As much as Ted does his own thing and it's like don't give a shit what the haters say. Let the shit just flow through you. Also like you have to know that you're coaching a team that people are already talking shit about and then you're just going to bring them down into a sewer and not expect something like that to happen. Come on. Yeah. Get mad. Read the room, Ted. Read the room. But the guys do get a tour. Ted calls it a feces factory. Yuck. And Beard knows his history. The great stink of 1858 was a real thing that actually happened. I looked it up. Beard knows everything. And people think the past was cool? Like, get fucked. There were literally mounds of infected shit around less than 200 years ago. That's crazy that there were just like mounds of poop when you walked through the street. That's crazy. Insane. And they were like yoking oxen and stuff. (laughs) It was the worst. It was the worst back then. Uh, you should have seen those oxen. They were yoked. I just can't imagine. I just can't imagine living then. I can't imagine walking down the street and be like, oh, there's the poop pile. Like, that's... No, thank you. There's the old poop pile. But while all that fun's going on under the city, Rebecca and Leslie watch Nate's first press conference as West Ham's coach. He's bombing, but he ducks under the desk, thinks about all the times he got his little feelings hurt, and spits on the ground like an actual eight-year-old. <laughs> just like a fucking asshole. What a dick. The cleaning guys in the back corner are like, what the fuck, man? Like, we're inside. Now he's ready to make fun of the press. Back down in the sewers, though, Ted finally explains why they're there so that they can start working on building sewer systems within themselves to connect to their teammates and let the, as Jamie calls it, poopay flow out. The poopay. <laughs> mm-hmm. I will have you know that I'm only calling it poopay from here on out. Yep. But to round out the press conference and make Rupert proud, Wonderdink Nate makes his there's no 21st place rib again and comments on a photo of Richmond going to the sewer by saying, makes sense. It's because their coach is so shitty. They're really spreading the Nathan is just a gray little piece of poopay on just a little thick in episode one, huh? There were so many better jokes to make than the coach is so shitty. Well, I think the point is he's not good at making jokes. Is that it? Yeah. Maybe. All right. Well, fine. Yeah, they they really hammered pretty hard that Nate is a giant douche. All to twist that by the end of the season again, which we'll get there, but... Twist on twist on twist. No, thank you. 
Rebecca calls Ted to her office and basically reams him out for not giving a crap and tells him to fight back. But cue his press conference where, spoiler alert, he doesn't fight back, or at least not in the conventional way. Instead of hurling insults at Nate, he compliments him and just proceeds to lambaste himself, including the great, I look like Ned Flanders doing cosplay as Ned Flanders, (laughs) or one that you probably liked. I've had more psychotic episodes than Twin Peaks. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Shout out damn fine TV friends. We miss you. But turns out it works because Nate was watching the conference and slams his laptop closed. The gray haired little wanker that he is. If all this damn movie is, is 90s music references, then why didn't they point out the fact that this was exactly like Eminem and 8 Mile? (laughs) That movie came out in the 2000s. It's an opportunity. Yeah, probably, but... Too new for Jason. Too new. The only silver lining is that Rupert rewards Nate's dickheadedness with a brand new Aston Martin. Nice cars are for butt bags anyway, so... Oh, I'd take an Aston Martin. I don't care if I'm a butt bag. I'll keep my 04 Subaru, thank you. Keely and Roy tell Phoebe, Roy's niece, that they've broken up. She takes it well, and Ted spends the night FaceTiming with Henry, who finally talks sense into him that he actually has to try to win, but then shares that mommy has a friend, Jake, who's buying him things. You never want the new male friend buying the kid things. And that's episode one. All right. Well, let's get into it. Episode 12, titled So Long, Farewell. Series finale. As far as anyone knows. We learned pretty early via sports news that if Richmond wins their next game and Manchester City loses or draws, they win the Premier League title for this season. Mm -hmm. Also, we learned that Rupert was cheating on his new wife. Big surprise. (laughs) Rebecca is in her kitchen watching this news when a groggy Ted walks in wearing his sleeping attire. Shortly after, he's followed by Coach Beard and Jane, Beard's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. There is uh, nothing else to talk about in this scene, so we're just going to move on. We're not going to talk about Beard's bum? Oh, I didn't think there was really anything of importance here. We learned that Ted's, you know, going back to America and that Beard is wearing a banana. <laughs> and we see most of his ass that he grinds it up all over the counters, but I didn't think that was really important to talk about. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, what I, I appreciate about it is that Beard is a fashion over function man like myself because you only wear thongs for fashion. There is no function there. I own one myself. It is not comfortable, but my butt looks good and so did Beard's. So No, it didn't. No, no, absolutely not. No, it didn't. I touched that butt. Did not look good. That doesn't mean anything. Okay. That means nothing to anyone. Okay. You'd touch literally any butt. <laughs> Fact. So that means nothing. We do see a, after the title card, we see a funny scene in the locker room. Seems like they're all getting along well. Nate is back. He's a towel boy again or whatever. And they're having like a courtroom scene for people who have done shit this season that they need to pay for to fund the end of year party. Danny Rojas is extremely attractive, especially in this scene. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he's got that going for him. Nate is back with literally the Richmond crew and he looks 92 years old, mind you. Yeah, he's aged another 20, 30 years. It's like I knew that they would flip him. I just knew like they weren't going to end the series with him being a bad guy. But I don't know, just like to give him a happy ending, like actually seeing it happen, like I just don't, I I have no interest in in his happy ending. I think this is hard for us because we don't see the transition in the middle. Like we see it like last we knew he was a dick and then all of a sudden he's back here and everyone thinks he deserves to be happy. We didn't see any of the transition in the middle. We just went from dick deserves to be happy and that is not true. (sighs) 
I mean, and judging by like how surprised kind of people are that he's around makes me feel like it was pretty close to the final episodes where he actually transitioned back. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't care about it at all. I know what you mean. We also learn that Keely works back at the club again. We see her a bunch, but we also see her in her firm later on. So I think she's kind of doing half and half. Her and Roy are still broken up. Trent Krim is here. He wrote a book called The Lasso Way about this year, this season, the you know, the Cinderella story season. Higgins proposes to Rebecca after he tries to broach the subject of the fact that they're going to need to replace Ted. And she's like, nope. He tries to pitch to her that she could sell a minority share of the club and raise enough cash for their entry into the Champions League because that's what you get for being in the top four of the Premier League, I guess. Mm. And then she's like, well, what would I get if I sold the entire club? She's just like, no lasso, no thanks. That part's dumb, though, because like she would already have an idea of what the club was worth because that would have all been clearly spelled out during the divorce proceedings when she received the club in the first place. Oh, I didn't know. But but the value of a sports club dependent on which league they're in and how good the team is would wildly, wildly fluctuate. I don't agree that it would be vastly different after one year of success. It it might be a little bit different, but it's not going to be vastly different. Yeah. I mean, maybe 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 it goes from like you know, 1.1 billion to 1.4 billion or something like that. Well, she can get 2 billion. Whatever, but I'm saying she she would have had a ballpark idea of what it's worth already. She would have had a ballpark idea. I guess I I understand that. Okay. Roy ends the last practice by uh, just yelling whistle because he doesn't need a whistle, uh, which is amusing. And then the team breaks out into song and performs so long farewell from the sound of music, singing, dancing, the whole the whole works right in the field after after practice. I'm an art man. I like writing. I think painting and music are humanity's gift to the world, but synchronized dancing ain't it? It just ain't it. I derive zero pleasure from any of it. Zero. I hated that scene. It's like you don't even have a heart. I swear <laughs> to God. Like, what? Why do I care if like a bunch of adult men can like do synchronized moves together? Like, I just who gives a shit? These are a bunch of grown men that obviously wouldn't normally do something like that. So it's supposed to signify the fact they were willing to put in the amount of effort required to perform this as accurately as they did. To say goodbye to Ted. Their whole career is moving in the right time in the right way. That's what their job is. Not not dancing, though. Oh, yeah, okay, go ahead. Call call the NFL. Be like, yep, let's, let's start a musical. It's like, I, I understand, but what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you looking around like an idiot? Because I'm just dumbfounded. Soccer is just a, it's just a violent dance. It's just a violent, unplanned dance. That's all it is. Okay. But regardless, this is supposed to be something that's like they went through the effort to learn all of this. Why? Learn something better. Goodbye. Learn something better. You're the worst. So Keely gives Ted and Beard gifts to say goodbye, but tells them not to open it until they're on the plane. And Jamie is going to go to Brazil and invites Keely to go with him to help with a Nike commercial or something like that. He obviously still has feelings for her. Roy and Jamie go out to for beers because Roy notices that Jamie is starting to move in on Keely. And they talk about their friendship and how they're proud of each other. But neither of them are willing to back down from Keely. Uh, so they argue about it for a few minutes and then appear at Keely's house, both battered and bruised because they got in a fight over it. And then tell her to choose and she just kicks them out. Rightfully so. Yeah, I like Ted Lasso in comedy in general. I like that stuff best when I don't see the punchline coming. And the joke here was so telegraphed that as soon as Roy and Jamie leaned forward, I would have bet 
$1,000 it was going to cut to Keeley either calling them pigs or, or slamming the door in their face. Like, and that's exactly what happened because it was just like, obviously that's what the punchline is going to be. I just, I don't like when the punchlines are so obvious like that. Okay. You didn't feel like that it was like coming from a mile away? I mean, you know, sometimes it's fine. Uh, uh, I don't know. But one thing I did notice, I feel like I'm Roy Kent and you're Jamie Tart. Did we just become best friends? Yeah, I can kind of sort of get behind that. I disagree that you've grown as much as Roy Kent grew in the in the three seasons that we saw. I mean, there's been four seasons of this podcast, and I feel like you're just the exact same as you were when we started. Debatable. At least Roy kind of like experienced some change in growth over the course of seasons. Rebecca and Ted decide they're going to sit in the stadium, and they talk about the transition. She tries to convince him to stay by offering him just a whole bunch of money. And threatening to sell the club if he leaves, but he isn't going to change his mind. It's clear he's uh, he's made things up and he's going for yeah. it. But before leaving for the night, Ted does find Nate staring up at where the Believe sign used to be before he ripped it up. Little twat. Wonder twat. Did you use wonder twat nope. yet? Oh, good. He apologizes and then cries. Ted explains that he's ripped it up before too. So no harm, no foul, I guess. We should have been a little bit more angry at Nate. Eh. I agree with you. Yeah. But who knows what happened. But it's game day. They're playing Rupert's team. Fun time, West Ham. Roy asked to become a member of the Diamond Dogs before the game starts. Trent is now a dog too, which is great. When Roy asks if he can join, they all look around for cameras like it's a prank <laughs> show. So it's pretty funny. Rupert at this point tells George they better fucking win. He's like not fucking around. We better win this damn game. George was the coach of Richmond before Ted. Yep, the short and shorts. also was a, a pundit for all the time in between. Yep. But on his way in, Rupert does run into Rebecca. She's pretty cordial to him. Uh, Tassie is with her and rips him a new one, which was exciting to watch. And before we get into the game really quick, Beard shows everyone like a, it's almost kind of like an immemorial video of like their memories together. <laughs> and they're kind of all getting really emotional. And then it cuts to the field where they're, they're all in the field preparing for the game and standing, you know, standing for, you know, I don't know, the anthem or whatever, whatever they do in England. <laughs> and they're, the whole team's crying and it's fantastic. But the game starts and West Ham scores the first two goals and it's starting to feel a little bleak. It's 2-0 at the half. Sure is bunch of losers ted gives a pretty amazing speech at, at halftime and then ends up looking up to the blank area where the believe sign used to be then all the players start tossing what their the pieces of it that they kept onto the bench in the middle of the room and eventually we find out that all of the pieces are there and they put the puzzle back together to show the believe sign once more you mean to tell me they were keeping a piece of paper in their mega sweaty knee-high socks and they weren't just like soggy torn up pieces of shit really stretching the credulity there ted i think you're making assumptions about how uh, much a fit person sweats compared to how much we sweat professional athletes that are playing an hour-long game of soccer sweat a whole lot buddy i've seen my fair share of sweaty men on tv they sweat a lot i think i sweat more just sitting in my living well yeah that i'm not arguing that i'm sweating more right now podcasting <laughs> than most athletes sweat but they do sweat a lot yeah yeah i mean I get what you're saying, but only one or two of them was pulled out of a sock. All the ink would be all mussed up, I'm telling you. <sighs> it's realistic, okay? It's you're all just being just, a fucking downer. I live in reality. I, can't, I live in reality. I just can't. I'm just going to no, no, no myself right out of this podcast. <laughs> they head back out all excited again and ready to go. They finally score, so it's 1-2, and then goal number two during a penalty kick by McAdoo. He kicks it so hard it goes through the net. We're at 2-2 two, two now. Yeah. 
and the ball hits a guy in the stands right directly in the face, just like uh, I referenced it last season, Scott Sterling, where the guy just gets hit in the head repeatedly. It was it was pretty great though. Yeah, and this guy it. it- like made it out to be like this guy was some someone of importance that we would have met somewhere. Maybe it's in the like middle, the prime think, minister or something. I don't know. What the, if you ask me right now, what does the prime minister of Great Britain look like? I'd be like, fuck if I know. I know who it was, but I think he left. I, I don't know. need to know. I live in America. Like I don't care if someone in another country doesn't know what Biden looks like. Like I don't care. Yeah. What do I care? Whatevs. Rupert heads down to the field and tells George to take Tart out. Like legit, just take him well, out. George says, "Nope, not doing that." So Rupert pushes him over and. The whole that whole pushing scene was so anticlimactic for me, and then obviously his balls fall out because that is apparently what George is known for is having his balls out. Listen, I'm not saying I'm thirsting for old man balls or anything. No, I don't know. I think I feel like you're about to. I hate that they were blurred out. Like they can say fuck 72 times, but I can't see some floppy scrot. Fucking America! I just wanted to see his balls. Not like I didn't want to see his balls, but I just like. But you want for the sake of reality. I wanted to see his balls. Yeah, I just... It was weird to have them be blurred out. That's all I'm saying. I don't think it was weird at all. Why? Like, why did, Why can't we see him? If we can hear bad words, why can't we see human body parts? Because uh, bad words are pretty different than, like, a fucking set of balls. How? Doing the, doing the look around again thing, and I hate it How? so much. I just think it Let is... Let me ask you this. If you had a little baby boy, would you rather yes. your, that your little baby boy said, fuck, or would you rather that you saw his balls? No, no, hold on. There is a difference between him. So the question is, would I rather have my baby boy hear the word fuck and then say it again or see a pair of balls and whip his out and swing around and be like, look, balls, in which case it would definitely be the first option. I'd have to think about that. I'll get back to you. Yeah, of course. Of course you would, because you love all ages of balls. (laughs) Not surprised. Oh, man. Well, as uh, Rupert does this, everyone in the crowd boos him. He's not getting, you know, he's realizing he is looking like a, a total wanker. And everyone supports that by just calling him a wanker and chanting it as he walks wanker, off the field. And wanker. I don't think we see Rupert again. Nope. I think that's that's a serious wrap on Rupert. <laughs> West Ham almost gets another goal, but the player was offsides. And the person who realized, holy crap, it was Ted Lasso. Dead. He's actually learning football That's awesome what a good boy little man there is another penalty though and richmond gets a free kick and they decide to use one of nate's old plays and they score game over three yep. two richmond yep we do see in the in the excitement on the field ted does his signature dance similar to how the, sh- the show started with his, his jason sudeikis running man dance sometime later who knows in a few days weeks months i don't know ted is in an airport he's looking at newspapers and he sees that rebecca sold 49 percent of the team to the fans so she's selling kind of like individual shares so that the team will continue under her management and because she still owns majority mm-hmm. we also learn that man city did win so richmond came in second in the league yeah i i appreciate that even though they won the game they didn't win it all because for me like there's nothing worse than in a sports movie when they end up winning despite all odds because just not not because i don't like a feel-good story but it's like been there done that like there's so many stories of that like i like to see sometimes when they don't get the ultimate success you know what i'm saying yeah but also football what are you doing without playoffs yeah that's weird you know yeah have some playoffs i agree have some Good playoffs. Point. There should be a final, like a like if those two teams were the top teams, there should be a final game to decide it, you know? Agreed. Stupid. But we do see that Rebecca is in the airport. She bought a ticket just to say goodbye. It's a first-class ticket. Yeah. Ted remarks about it, but she just did it out of habit. They have a heartfelt thank you and hug and say goodbye. Yep. 
on the plane. We find Beard as well. Ten asks if they're making the right decision, and Beard takes his glasses off. I thought for sure they were lining up. A Beard was asleep the entire time during this little this little speech, yep. but instead he takes his glasses off and he's like, "I don't, I don't want to go. I love Jane. I want to stay here and see where that goes. And with your permission, I'd like to follow my heart." Mm-hmm. And the plane doors are already closed, though, so he just uh, screams after he splashes water in his face, pretends like he's in extreme pain just to get taken off the plane to, to get himself out of there. And then one of the plane's crew comes over to Ted. It's like, oh, would you like to go with your friend to the hospital? He's like, no, nah, I'm good. And she, and she calls him an asshole and everything. But it's, uh, it's kind of amusing. Do you think that Beard would get in? Like, do you think you get in trouble after if they find out that you were, are really okay? Like, how does that work? Yeah, that's a good question. Probably. But then you could say, oh, but it was like, what if it's like a panic attack? Like you can't really. Yeah. Just you, like no, I yeah. had a lot of pain in yeah, it passed. I, I don't know. I thought it was worse than it was. All right. And then we get kind of like an epilogue style, like we're going to show you where everyone ended up type of thing starting here with a bunch of short scenes. So I'm just going to go through them all kind of rapid fire here. And it's to Cat Stevens. Cat Stevens. I love Cat Stevens. Cat Stevens. I love Cat Stevens. So here we go. Rebecca's leaving the airport. She runs into a guy from her past. He looked kind of familiar, but I can't remember who he is. Is he from her past? I thought he was just like a dude. I feel like he was somewhere in the past, but I can't remember. Present from Keeley was a snow globe of Richmond. I also don't remember the importance of that, but it's probably somehow important. Ted's note on Trent's book was that he loved it and suggested changing the title because it was never about him. Very Ted. Classic Ted. Classic Ted. Roy's the new manager of AFC Richmond. Congratulations, Roy. Nate is at dinner with his girlfriend. Don't know why this was important, but it is. He seems happy. I guess is that the the point? Okay. A happy ending for Nate, even though he was a dickbag for nearly half the series. Like basically half of the show, he was a giant piece of doo-doo butter. Yeah. And now like we have to be happy for him? No, no, no. Like I just... He was a big fat poop egg. You know? Uh, Sam is playing with what looks like to be Team Nigeria. I believe so, yeah. That's a guess, though, because we don't see, we are not able to confirm that. Jamie makes up with his dad, I think, and it seems like they're genuinely happy together. Turns out his dad just needed him to almost win a Premier League title and then all is forgiven. Higgins is hosting a big party with the team, similar to the Christmas party in season two. So Higgins is is a good dude. One of my favorite characters in the whole show. Trent is signing copies of the book. He changed the title to The Richmond Way. Interesting. Not as good. Not as good. <laughs> the old lady who owns the bar bought a shit ton of shares of the club, so she's like one of the majority minority owners. Keeley proposes a women's team to Rebecca, mm-hmm. so that could be a that spinoff. That could be a spinoff, true. Maybe it's a women's rugby team. <laughs> hey, I actually think it really could be a women's rugby team because the person who was like, oh my God, rugby's amazing, is the same person who is the CFO for Keeley. So like, okay. she'd totally be down to help with that female team. And make it a female rugby oh, team. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, the CFO manager sounds sounds like that Just makes saying. sense. Just saying. Yep. Cool. She's the money. She's the money. She's got the money bag. She's the money bag person. Rebecca's the money bags, bro. I don't know. Nate repaired the believe sign and they hung it back up. And we see Beard and Roy and Nate all uh, looking at their handiwork. So that's the... The coaching crew now. Beard gets married to Jane. He's wearing a wild, oh, just a fucking wild suit. Ted arrives at home. His son comes running out to him excitedly. And then we cut to him coaching his son's soccer team. His son misses a kick and he tells him to be a goldfish. And then the camera pans in very close to his face. And then Finny. Yeah. And the moral of the whole series is that soccer is overrated. Just hang out with your son. That's it. Just hang out with your son. It's more important. Or maybe like hang out with your son if he plays soccer. Yes. 
Yes, yes, yes. Soccer's only important if your son thinks it's important. That's it. You know? That's the moral. That is season three and the season series finale. Nope, series is also a season. And this is the, sh- the season, this is the, the show's finale. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Indeed. That's that. Now, before we get to our questions that we have about the middle, I think we should attempt a free kick into a net full of our center commercial. Mine's going to go right through. Today's episode is brought to you by the Center Cut Podcast, the show that you're currently listening to. Wow. Yeah, we brought this to you. Inception. We're not hawking anything today. We are just graciously asking you to subscribe to the show on whatever podcatcher you use. So episodes auto download, please. And thank you. Some people would, consider, would also consider this hawking something, but we're doing it anyways. Mm-hmm. We just would love for you to throw a review on there. And while you're at it, if you like it, just tell a friend. Yes. It helps the show more than you know. Oh, we're we're the fucking Nate of podcasting, and we need your help. Yep, my hair Please. is so gray. And if you have feedback, as always, send it to the centercutcast at gmail dot com. Yeah, you can also hit up our socials. We'll be posting some promos for this, and you can check out all the funny stuff that we post. And if you want to see how wet and terribly gross we are right now for recording in what I feel like is 110 degree weather, but it's probably only like 85, but I want to die. Yeah. So come see how wet we are on TikTok or Instagram at the underscore center underscore cut. That's all TikTok is, right? It's just like how wet, wet people, people are. Yeah. It's yoked. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. All right, David, we have so many questions about the middle and they're all from Reddit. I love the Ted Lasso Reddit community. A bunch of fine fellers and ladies. And everything in between. And they, uh, yeah, they just love to ask us fun, interesting questions. Yeah, we have a few repeat askers from the previous seasons and we have a lot of new folks as well. And we're happy to answer those questions and crush them. So let's start with Mikey Nerd. What were the red strings tied to? This was the number one most liked question. Penises? Why? Did Ted Lasso just tie all their penises together as like a team building exercise? But why though? Yeah, well, why would they have a dude with his balls out? It's just because it's funny. (sighs) Normally I would say no, that's dumb. But the fact that it got so many likes means it has to be something ridiculous like that. It has to be. It also has to be sex related. Yeah, true. (laughs) If it got that many likes, people are horny for it. It's got to be sex related. That is true. Hmm. I don't hate that answer. I went in a very different direction. Balls? Uh, no, I said a very different direction. So Ashley forced me to go... S- anuses? I'm, no, no penises. You already said that. That would be the same anuses? answer. That would be the same answer. Anuses? No, no anuses. You can't tie things to anuses an anus. Anuses is what I said the second time? You can't time? tie things to an anus. It just doesn't work. Uh, you can tie things to things that are in an anus. True, but no. Ashley forced me to go see this lame Nutcracker movie in theaters a few years ago. And in the movie, the girl had to follow a red string all the way to gifts under the Christmas tree or some shit like that. So that's all I could think of when approaching this question is is the Nutcracker movie that I hated and fell asleep during. So maybe Ted's son comes back over to the UK and Ted has a bunch of gifts for him all over the house and Henry has to find them by following the strings and it's how he breaks it to him that he'll be retiring from coaching and going back home after the season. So I went very heartfelt uh, and you uh-huh. went very hard felt. Our next question from adventurous underscore turn underscore 179. Who does Keely have a romantic relationship with in season three? Is it Roy? Is it Jamie? 
No, it's nobody. I think that's the trick. I think she has to learn to just love herself and stop being played by these dumb little boys. She does not have any romantic relationship in season three. Interesting. At the end where Jamie's talking about how it's been years since he's been with Keely, and we know that it has been an entire season since Roy broke up with her, but he says that he's been with her within the last month or two. Mm-hmm. I think it's right. You can they can boink without being in a relation romantic relationship. Brosif. It's twenty twenty three. Okay, I feel like boinking is a romantic relationship. <sighs> Not in my world. <laughs> okay. Cool. Weirdo. Okay. Uh Mary B one seven zero one asks, What is the reason that Coach Beard sticks around with Ted after all this time? I th- I don't know that this is like expressly covered. It might be. It's possible that it might be, but I think it's just kind of a yin and yang sort of thing. Beard is just a, you know, a stats guy, a, like a knowledge guy, but he doesn't have that like personal connection to people. And the complete inverse is true of Ted. He is able to have that that personal connection and like make a coherent team. And then Beard injects them with the, the necessary knowledge and skills to actually achieve the things that they're looking to achieve. Yeah, I'm, I'm basically with you. I mean, number one, he's Coach Beard. Like he's awesome which is why he sticks around, but he has major sidekick vibes. Like, I don't think he could ever be the guy by himself. I think he needs someone like Ted to unlock his full potential. Yeah. Can you like imagine like Beard doing like a press conference? It'd be a nightmare. Yeah. But I also think that he appreciates everything that Ted has done for him and his career. And like, he knows also that he's going to keep on riding that gravy train to the top and they just work good together. So, Mm -hmm. yep. All right, our next question from Mary B one seven zero one: Who gets in a massive food fight and why? I'm sort of cheating here by using a later question, which I do a lot. But somebody later asks what happens at the end of Rebecca's fancy dinner. So I think it's going to be a massive food fight, and I think it's because Rupert is a cock. Like that's it. That's it. that's the answer. If somebody is a major cock, you throw mashed potatoes at their face, right? Like it's hard to keep being a dick if you have mushed up starch in your eyes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> write that down can't be a dick if you got mushed up starch in your eyes i don't think that's worth writing down uh i think this is uh it's roy but he's with phoebe at her school mm. a, a food fight like breaks out in in school and it's like a bunch of kids but also roy <laughs> like he fully partakes and is just pegging kids with with food if there wasn't the other question later about the fancy dinner i would say you, that's not a horrible answer but i think i'm right at least partly yeah Maybe. Extra Professor 3792 asks, which top class player did AFC Richmond sign who helped them win multiple games in the Premier League before retiring? I think this is Zava. And it's because they get a box at the end that's from a dude named Zava. And they say that he was on the team and he feels connected to them, but also has left since. He wasn't on the team when when we started the season. He wasn't on the team when we ended the season. And the fact that they said like something along the lines that he abandoned us and stuff like, I have a feeling it's this dude. He came, played a few games, and then off he went, retired. Yeah, 100%. It was, Zava was referenced in the finale. We never saw him, but he had some big-ass avocados. But I'm actually going to take it a step further than you, and I bet that he is actually played by a famous soccer player in real life. And the only actual soccer player I know is Messi. So I'm going to say he was played by Messi. Interesting. Yeah, our next question from Allison C3. Who made Denny Rojas more nervous than when he played in El Chapo's Youth League? Speak of the devil, I think it's the legend himself, Zava. I also said Zava. All right. Snaps83 with two Ps and a Z 
asks, what does Roy give a lot of thought to that Ted and Beard decide is a one-shot deal? Best Whitney Houston song. I have elaboration that will come in further questions. Okay. All right. I think it is trying to get back together with Keeley. I think this is the obvious answer. You can only go back once. If you try more than that, you're no longer a serious couple anymore. You're just a joke that everybody around you is laughing at. You can lose a lot of things in your life, but losing your dignity is hard to come back from. So you think that both Beard and Lasso said, once a relationship's over, it's over forever. No, you, you can only try back. one more time. This is a one-shot deal. You can try to get back with her once, but then after that, you can't do it anymore. It's a joke. Oh, okay. So one-shot deal is like the attempt to get back together again. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Discreet. Snaps83 also asks, what's number four? All right, so I think this is bathroom stuff. One is pee, two is poop, three is when a dude jerks it, and I think four is changing out a pad or a tampon. Mark my points now, please. Uh, yeah, you're completely wrong. So uh, what they are referring to is when Ted Lasso, at the very end, when they reform the believe sign, he says, that's number four, and it's because he's ripped up believe sign twice, <laughs> Nate ripped it up once, and now it is back together again. It is the fourth iteration of the believe sign. How do you not know that they use the believe, one of the ripped believe signs as a tampon? You don't know. It's possible. He, I mean... May, Look sure. up number four in Urban Dictionary. That's all I'm saying. So you cheated then, huh? No. I checked I my mean, work. Kind of sounds like it. Guess and check. Like... Guess and check, bro. Guess and check. Guess and check. You're saying that like it's a thing that anyone's ever said. <laughs> it is. That's that's how I do all my math problems. Guess and check. That's a terrible way to approach math, kids. <laughs> no one do that. Long name JJJ29 asks, what tactic does Richmond implement after going to the stadium named after the founder? I just wanted to come up with a weird name for a tactic, so I said the pump and dump next. I literally have no idea. Whatever I guess is yeah, going to be. Yeah, that's why I was just like, I'm just going to come up with a weird name to a tactic. Yeah, so I'm just going to Hail Mary say that they come up with a play where all of the players just keep shouting that founder's name, which confuses the defense. I don't know why that would work, but that's all I got. Um, Only if his name is Bill. 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 So they're all Bill, yelling, Bill, 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 yeah. Bill. Our next question from the Trash Squad. <laughs> From which famous musical is Coach Beard and Ted's backstory derived? I am a theater enthusiast, but I am not a musical guy, mostly because I can't sing. So I know like zero music. Mostly because you don't like the you don't like the dances. Yes, yeah. you can't sing and you don't like the it's dances. True. So I know like zero musicals. One of the only ones that I do know, I know a few, but one of them is Les Mis, and I know from the book by Victor Hugo that it's about an ex-con Valjean. So. Maybe one of them, either Ted or Beard, used to be in prison. My guess would be Beard, since Ted is too positive. Though I suppose, like, you, I could picture Ted in prison smiling. <laughs> just like the, they flash back to him just sitting on a, a prison cot. Prison smiling. for Beard would explain the thong. Yeah, it does. But uh, no, Shot in the Dark. I'm going to go with Les Mis, um, because the only other musicals I know are Wicked, Phantom of the Opera, and Cats. And <laughs> none of those would make sense for the backstory, so... That's all I got. Labus. The Sound of Music. I think that's why that's, there's a reference mm, at the end to it. it. So long, farewell. Is that a musical? I thought that was a movie. It's a movie, but I think it, I... Hmm. I know it's like... I know it has music in it, but I, I didn't know if they meant like a musical play. I, I don't know the definition, so it could be. Yeah. I don't know. It could be right, though. Next question from CPIN9552. What is existence? Just a figment of our imagination based on the perceived environment in which we live, fabricated by our brains to fill an empty void that actually exists outside of our brains. Or minds. I guess minds because I said brains already. 
So outside of our minds. How does that relate to Ted Lasso? And that wasn't the question. <laughs> okay. I think existence is just living and that is fucking boring. I think you need to raise some hell, get your genitals wet, create some art, or else you're just wasting time. And I think that's a direct quote from Ted and also me. Raise some hell, get your genitals wet, create some art. Yep. That's what Ted said. Yep. I remember the famous quote. Yep. Yep. Miserable underscore emu 5191 asks, what does Jamie Tart sleep in? Uh, why does this question have to be in and not on? In is very limiting. I can't remember the last time I slept in something. Unless they mean like clothes. Do they mean clothes? I'm pretty sure they mean clothes. Uh, like he doesn't fucking sleep in a sleeping bag. That's, like, that's all I could think of. I didn't think about clothes. All right, then I'm going to say footy pajamas. Footy pajamas. Okay, well, I was going to say a onesie, specifically a Thor onesie. Oh, Don't know why. Right. Just what came to my mind. <laughs> Emu also asks, who has a poster of whom on their bedroom wall? I think Will has a poster of Keely on his bedroom. Oh, okay. Maybe because she was like a she was like a model lady, right? Oh, you think Keely slept with Will? Oh, I don't know about that. Do you think Will and Keely had a romantic relationship? Maybe. You ready for this, David? Yeah, it's, I mean it's going to be wrong, but sure. I think Jamie has a poster of Roy Kent on his wall, which I think is the most deliciously wholesome thing I could ever imagine, and I'm here for it. I thought about that. That was like yeah. my second option. I think. I think. I yeah. think the show would do that. Is they hate yeah, each other, they hate each other, and then you see his room and he has a poster of them. Yeah. Our last question for miserable underscore emu. A character has multiple children. What are their names? Always the unassuming dudes who be getting down. Philip Rivers, the whitest dude ever who was a quarterback for the Chargers, just had his 10th kid, and he wore a bola tie. So with that knowledge, I'm going to go with Jan Moss. He looks like he fucks, and I'm going to say seven kids. Okay. <laughs> what are their names? I have to know their names? I mean, it says what Oh, my names. God. I thought I just had to guess how many kids there were. Oh, my God. I thought I had to guess. Their names are An, Bon, Khan, Don, Jan, and Fawn. Oh, and Gon. I hate you. My, my answer was Jan, and his two kids His two kids are named Don and Ron, but it's spelled D-A-A-N and R-A-A-N. Don and Ron. Yeah. Oh, man. See? He looks like he fucks. I'm saying. I be saying. I just think they went for that low-hanging fruit of like a Don and a Ron or like a normal English name. Oh, I'm so glad that we both picked him. On Fire in Ramset Park asks, where did Nate work between West Ham and Richmond, and how did he lose that job? I think he was a busboy at Nando's, which is a restaurant over there, and I think he just is constantly caught watching soccer on the TVs that are in the place and eventually just gets fired for it. Dave, I referenced Nando's in a question for season two because I looked it up and it's like the most famous restaurant over in Britain, so... Yep, did you research I like I it? Because we don't know anything nope. about fucking other countries. But no, I went with McDonald's, and I think that he loses that job because some of his gray hairs start falling out on people's filet of fish sandwiches. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he even clogs up the ice cream machine with his hair, which causes it to be out of order, which is a joke because they're always out of order. So that just ma- that, I think that's the epitome of ha- Nate hatred. <laughs> like, they, like they're building up to it, but there is a climax of which they will maximize the amount of potential hate that people will have for Nate. And the hate Nate spectrum reaches its pivotal climactic point when he breaks the fucking ice cream machine <laughs> at McDonald's. And everyone's like, every time I've ever had the ice cream machine broken at McDonald's, it's been fucking Nate's yep. fault. Telling you. Our next question from Bleed Free. What do you think was the moment that Nate changed? I assume this means like, when did he change from being the world's biggest squirt burger to lovable old Nate in the finale? Rather than the opposite, like rather than when did he become such a human suppository, right? I'd assume so. Okay. I think he is coaching his last game at West Ham and his parents are in the stands and he sees his dad crying in the stands 
after he berates a player on the sidelines. And then he realizes that he's doing all this shit because he wants to be popular and liked. But in the process, he's just being a major tool and have having the opposite effect. Like, nobody likes him and he's hated. So he's like, fuck it, and just quits. Oh, interesting. I think the show dips back into the old Ted Lasso's nice to me and I'm being an asshole and I must change my whole life because of it. Well, and the first time that they play Richmond, he's just a giant dick to Lasso and Ted's just super nice and compassionate and it just turned like he just realizes how much of an asshole he's being okay maybe like we do and have done for both of our last two seasons of ted lasso we have so many damn questions which we appreciate that we sanctioned off a section of the questions where we are now going to be limited to how we can answer these we are going to be limited to five words we can only answer in five words and we're going to use our best ted lasso accent for the third time in a row are you ready, DeVito? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. All right. Sugar No Ma'am asks, what happened at the end of the fancy dinner Rebecca attended? Hornier than rabbits in heat. Already answered this food fight. Rissa asks, who proposes to whom in Paris? That douche Jake and Michelle. Roy proposes to Keely. Dummy. Nah. Rissa also asks, what foreign language does Beard speak, and who does he not want to find out that he speaks it? Dutch. Don't tell y'all, though. Latin. Ted. Doesn't want to upstage. Next question. Who was kicked out of their favorite football club stadium as a child? Roy. Swore at a referee. Roy. Temper like a hippo. There we go. Same page. Rissa lastly asks, what do Colin and Ted's friend Stevie have in common? Their door swings another way. Mm, both lock penises inside them. Same page. <laughs> Same page, David. See, I said stuff that like that Ted would say, and you just fucking. <laughs> but you, uh, you so you didn't just, you didn't talk about this in the finale. But I think that's Colin who yes. finds a male lover. Mm-hmm. I think there's maybe some more questions about it later too. But Mister Turk Turkleton asks, "Who on the team would rather see a tulip field over choosing between a rave or a live sex show?" And this is where Miserable Emu did correct to not a whole field, just one tulip. Colin, floral over female oral. Higgins, that fantastic, delicate bastard. Four Oreos from Heaven asks, or I guess it could be IV Oreos. Do they do, are they getting cookie chunks in, in an IV, or are they four Oreos in Roman numerals? We'll never know. We'll never know. IV, I think. But they ask, how does Rebecca get very wet in Amsterdam? She fell in the canal. Ted licked her old pussy. No, I'm just kidding. Team does a dunk tank. Interesting. <laughs> Copperboom538 asks, how many kebabs does Isaac order and of what type? 13 of the lamb variety. Six, one of each tap. Ooh. Fix Fox Facts asks, what does Higgins do in front of Will and a group of strangers when he takes him to the red light district? He pantomimes some unsavory things. Ooh. The Macarena. He's so what? <clears throat> Fix Fox Facts also asks, what does Roy wear to work that leaves everyone speechless? Mask from the movie Scream. A pair of Achilles pants. <laughs> Fix Fox Facts also asks, Ted's mom said he almost played what instrument and what band? I almost played French horn. And what, and what band? Ran out of words. <laughs> Bra. <laughs> Trumpet in Mare Mare Boston's. If it is not a 90s band, I will eat my hat. Uh, I also came up with other options. The Harmonica and Blues Traveler, or Saxophone and Dave Matthews Band. 
Gotta be one of those three. Harmonica and Blues Traveler is only four words. The Harmonica and Blues Traveler. The yep. Harmonica. Okay, fine. Fucking word counter. Piece of crap. Oh, yeah. PM180 asks, what do the nice couple in the bar offer Will? A threesome. Old, wet threesome. A threesome. Good looking kid. Yeah. I think other questions maybe helped us there. Hmm. Dompa97 asks, which character thinks windmills are fake? Jamie's the only one, bruv. Isaac, good guy. Kinda dumb. Cardgold45 asks, who had the pillow fight? Roy and Jamie. Hashtag frenzies. Hashtag blessed. Sam, Isaac, Danny, and Beard. Ooh, that's a lot. Two-person pillow fights are fucking just boring <laughs> shit. Marvelman1234567289 asks, what happened to Kitman Will in Amsterdam? First time he made love. Offered threesome. Jerked it instead. I disagree. Will would have got it. Series Session 7574 asks, who has the confrontation with Trent Krim in a shower? Nate, that dweeby little wiener. Jamie doesn't like his betrayal. Mm. Sirius also asks, which female music legend is memorably featured on one of Trent's t-shirts? Whitney, he wants higher love. Ah, that's the reference. Mm-hmm. Dolly or Reba? Hmm, Dolly. <laughs> I fucking hate you. <laughs> Why? I had to get five words. <laughs> you know what doesn't count as a word? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it is 11.27 a.m. asks, who is Jack? Why am I talking in this voice all the time now? It is 11.27 a.m. asks, who is Jack? And how are they related to Keeley? That was going to be the Matchbox 20 song before they changed it to 3 a.m. It's 11.27 a.m. I'm lonely. Uh, I think it's her secret sick twin brother. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it's Keeley's big time investor dude. Mm. Phil 95 asks, why wasn't Keeley in Amsterdam? She's got a company running. Taking care of sick Jack. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Making up a whole backstory here. What does Shandy leave in the meeting room? Who the heck is Shandy? Sensitive information. Read corporate policy. <laughs> Who replaces Isaac as captain for one game and why? Sam. His dad is there. Colin. It was Pride Month. Mm. <laughs> that seems almost insensitive. You think so? It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. It almost feels the opposite it should. I don't know why. It just does. <laughs> It's like, oh, you're not good enough to be captain all the time, but since we're celebrating gay people this month, why don't you be captain, bro? That's what all of the commercialism of Pride Month is. Stupid. Fritos only appreciates gay men during June. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Milan Tominsk asks, what is Edwin Akufo's favorite food? The scrotum of his naysayers. Sam shit you never got over. <laughs> Mr. Kirkerm. Mr. CRRCRM asks, who didn't know how to ride a bike and which teammate taught him how to ride? Jamie gets taught by Roy. Roy can't. Jamie taught him. (laughs) (laughs) One of us is right. One of us is wrong. Or we're both wrong, I guess, I suppose. John TK Base asks, how does Ted come up with the successful football strategy? I'm feeling confident on this one. Playing FIFA with little Henry. Ball from here to here. No. Cora Bittering asks, what hidden artistic talent does Nate possess? He paints small, fragile figurines. That was in the finale, yeah. He plays a mean piccolo. Figbudge asks, nice. You almost got me, Big Fudge. (laughs) Who tells their parents they had a threesome? Will. 
New jobs going swimmingly. Will, he's just excited, okay? Mad Ventures YT asks, what substance made Ted hallucinate? Absinthe, just like Eurotrip. Ingested too much Elmer's glue. I'm confident on that one. About the glue? No, the oh. absinthe. About the glue. What's wrong with you? Farka asks, what happened to Rebecca's phone? Charging port clogged. Mashed taters. <laughs> Food fight. <laughs> You said you're going to elaborate more later. That's the elaboration. <laughs> that there's mashed potatoes in her fucking cell phone. <laughs> you're the effing worst. It fell into the canal. Mm. That's why she went in after it. Rod E15, another repeat asker, asks, what do Roy and Jamie search for in Amsterdam? A gift for Keeley. Shoes. Edibles. Bunch of naughty little wankers. Bella Fitty asks, why did Rupert kiss Rebecca? What happened before and after? Old and horny. Food fight. Things got bad. Wants redemption. Well, what happened before and after? Who cares, <laughs> sir? <laughs> Bella Fitty also asks, what was the last straw for Ted to decide to go home? Jake coaching son's soccer team. Ooh, I actually don't mind that. Henry said, please come home. What song was significant when Henry visited? Who was involved? Fuck you. CeeLo. Nate. Every breath you take, beard. (laughs) (laughs) And last question for all the marbles. Who was the best guest star? Elton John, for real now. Kanan Thompson, henchman of Akufu. (laughs) What would make that (laughs) Kanan the best guest star? Because he does the best job. Like, it's it's Uh, the funniest guest star. It doesn't say the biggest guest star. It just says the best one. Wow. And you've got to know he picked someone from SNL. Uh, Maybe. Feeling it. But that's it. Those are all the questions. We probably got six right. We probably butchered the rest, but we had fun. And that is not really all that matters. No, it doesn't <laughs> matter much at all, but it's fine. Let's move on. Center counts. Center counts. Final score of Ted Lasso ever, unless they're spinoffs, which we won't cover. Final score of Ted Lasso ever. I don't remember what I gave it to him. In you the gave past. it a seven out of seven. And then season two, you oh. gave a six out of seven. Yeah. I gave it a four both seasons. I think I am going to drop down a little bit. Final score, I'm going five. Of This is just of this season, though. Well, this season, yeah. the four. Oh, this season, you're giving it a four? Okay. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of with you that I feel like some of the, the joke patterns are a little stale now that we've seen it for three seasons, and some of the storylines are kind of a little bit played out, just like everyone's mean to Ted, and then he's really nice, and then everyone's nice to Ted because he was too nice for them to be mean to him. It's like That's like the only fucking storyline in this whole show. Uh, there's, I, it feels like there's less at stake for some reason. I So first season, I gave it a four. Second season, I gave it a four. This third season, I am going to give it a three out of seven. With that said, though, Ted Lasso is better than a lot of shows on TV. Like It is still a good show. Even though I think it goes a, a bit far sometimes, I can appreciate the focus on positivity. I do like yeah. that about it. And when it's at its best, I think it's a very good show. But I think it is. post-season one is not its best. I, I think this is clearly the weakest season. And I think most people agree, hence the lower Rotten Tomato score. Like, critics Correct. agree as well. It's just the whole Nate story arc from front to back, like beginning of season one to the end of the show, is just pure rubbish. It's just dumb, manufactured malarkey. Yeah, it feels... I don't know. The Nate, the Nate arc in season one was very much a backseat to other stuff that was going on with Rebecca and Ted and also Roy and Jamie and all that stuff. And then it just became the, o- the only arc 
and it was like, I, I, it's actually not the strongest arc for me. And then you're making it like what the entire show is riding on. Yeah. And as much as I appreciate the positivity, I am just generally a negative person. Oh, yeah. I feel like, like, well, I just feel like you have to be pretty ignorant to not see the negative in things. Like, we're on a planet that we're destroying. We can't stop killing each other after thousands of years. Like, we've had thousands of years to figure it out. We're still fucking killing each other. And I still see people leaving their grocery carts all over the parking lot every time I go grocery shopping. So, like, wake me up when people aren't selfish losers, and then I'll start being positive. Well, the thing is, and the one thing that Ted Lasso is trying to project is that you can see all of that happening in the world but still choose as yourself to just be a goldfish and pretend it doesn't exist around you also can we talk about you patting your forehead (laughs) like a fucking 90 year old like slave owner what the fuck was that it's really hot in here jesus christ (laughs) i packed some tissues in case i got hot damn it it's fucking driving Miss Daisy over here. He's over there patting his fucking head. I'm surprised you don't have a fucking little hand fan. They're just like fanning use, yourself off. Use my off. mortgage bill. Yeah, yeah, your mortgage bill will do it. Yeah, just kind of fan yourself off, pat pat the forehead. I'm surprised you don't just have a slave there to do it for you. Jesus. Wow. Never. <sighs> Rough. Yeah, but I, I I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it's just it's a good show. Not the best season and not my favorite type of thing to watch, but... Uh, I will say a damn good Reddit community, if I do say so myself. So I do, and like, there's still a lot of emotion. But like, I was emotional after watching the final se- the final episode of this show. You get attached to these characters, specifically like Ted Lasso and Beard and Keely, and and it's just like so in these types of environments. Like, yeah, there's there's a lot of emotion and drama built into it, but it just felt like lacking a little bit this season. I think, yeah. But that's it. That is a wrap forever. Uh, we still both like the show. It's just not, we don't think it's the best thing we've ever watched, but that's okay. Like we have other shows to watch and this was still good. We appreciated the journey. Yeah, still definitely worth a watch. 100%. Yes, yes, yes. But David, what do we have coming up next? Coming up next on August 9th, we are going to have an episode with comedian John Montag. We are going to be covering Dazed and Confused. Yes, this has been one that has been on our list for a while. There's been a few guests who like had it as their backup pick. We've been almost covering this for years now, and we're finally going to cover Dazed and Confused. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. But that is all I have. If you stayed, again, as always, we love you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for spending some of your valuable time with us in your ears. Redditors, you're the best. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed the show, definitely share it with somebody. But thanks for questions. Thanks for stopping by. We appreciate you. Yes, yes, yes. Like the space that those blurred balls fell out of. It's always better in the center. (laughs) 